again. Sing it. Happy birthday to you. Way to finish. Good job. Proud of you. Again. Again. It's coming. Welcome to a new episode of HMCP. Hot Marriage. Cool Parents. I'm the cool parent. That I'm the hot marriage. Yep. (laughs) I'll take it. So guys, we had the best weekend last weekend. We got to go to Miracles in the Making. It's in New Jersey up in Matawan. And we got to see this little baby growing inside me. Jenny, who runs the place. It's a fabulous setup, unbelievably intimate setting. And she actually put together a picture from when she took the sonogram with Henley and placed it next to photos with her actual picture and spot on same faces, same everything. Funny that you say spot on. I mean, it should be the same face considering that was the baby that we delivered that was inside my belly. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, I was actually thinking how amazing it looked too. And then I was like, well, shouldn't it look the same? Well, it does go to show that you can't get a look at your baby before. Yeah, no, it was really cool though. Like we are going to go all throughout this pregnancy and we're going to document the whole entire journey on our Hot Marriage Cool Parents YouTube page. Yeah, this time we saw a little movement. We saw some webbed fingers. We saw an outline of an ear and an attempt to suck his or her thumb. Yeah, okay. So seriously though, guys. So, well, she, her name's Jenny, the ultrasound lady who's there. She, while she had it on my belly, the ultrasound thing, the baby literally opened its, you could see it open its mouth. And you could also see, like Doug said, like little ear buds starting to form. And you could see like where the nose is starting to form. And she said you could see like the finger, the fingers are still webbed, but you could see like each of the, I honestly didn't really see each finger, but she said she could see each so finger. You can see the outline, but it's, it's incredible to think that the baby is like just as tall as like a baseball. Yeah, actually. According to my app, one second, let me pull it up. I follow like a few different apps, but one of them is what to expect when expecting. They have an app and I I like that one to follow. According to that app, the baby is the size of a lemon right now. Yeah, just about. And not only that, but we got the surprising news that Jamie is 14 weeks along and her due date has now moved up a bit. Oh my gosh. Seriously though, every time I get an ultrasound... The doctors just cannot agree. Like the ultrasound techs, they just never agree. So obviously our fertility specialist way back when we were seeing him, which now seems like such a long time ago, but it was only yeah, right. a couple a couple of weeks ago. But he said our due date was May 14th. So we went by that. Then we go to the OB and they say our due date is May 8th. Now we go to Jenny in Miracles of Miracles in the Making, and she said our due date is May 2nd. Well, because it's based on the the length either of the head or from head to tailbone, which both were pretty spot on as far as 14 weeks. But I think maybe the baby is just a bigger baby. I honestly, there's not a chance it could be 14 weeks because I had my period in August. So like, 
there's just not a chance it could be 14 weeks. Like, so this baby just must be big, yep. which doesn't make me feel good because it has to come out of my... It's a big boy. <laughs> you are so <laughs> hopeful it's a boy. So we did. I, I, I told you guys last week that we I got my blood drawn at the doctors and we're going to know the gender. We should know in the next couple of days. So we set a date for the gender reveal party. It is November 24th. Who's holding the results? Because so, Jenny gave us results. Yeah, Jenny said she has results. 100% certainty she was. Yeah. I don't they, know why I just said that like Yoda, but... <laughs> she was. Yeah. She said that she saw, you know, if it was a boy or a girl, and she put the results in a sealed envelope. And I think that our podcast assistant, Rachel... What do you think, Doug? I was thinking we'd have her like help us... With, with, with that, because I don't really want our family to know, so they could be surprised. I don't yeah. want to, I want to be surprised too. I will, I want to be surprised too, and I almost ruined it for myself. Yeah, because Jenny said, don't look, and then of course Doug looked. Well, it, like, was, it was right when I was looking out of the corner of my eye like that, but I didn't see, she said that she had wrote down what the baby's gender was on the screen. I didn't see that. I saw the picture of the baby from the angle that she was viewing the baby as. So, I think that I know. What do you think it is then? You just want a boy so bad that you'll say anything is a boy. No. Is that what you think it is? I'm not going to say because I want to be surprised and so do you. I do too, but you think you actually know? I can't explain what I saw. What did you see then, Doug? I don't know. That's why I can't explain it. So you have no idea then still? I think I have an idea. What do you think it is then? It was less than a second view. It was like I looked and then she says, don't look. And I turn away. But the angle that she had it, I, I thought I saw the baby like spread eagle. So do you think, was there a penis there or not? I don't know. So then how do you have a guess? Because I'm not going to reveal it to you. Oh, you think you know? I do think that I know. Ah. I didn't see the writing at all, but I may know. In my head, I had maybe I was, I don't know what I was looking at though. So it could have been anything. But I want you to be surprised too, Doug. Oh, I will be surprised because there's no chance that I know how to read what I was looking at. Well, then tell me what you think it is. No. <laughs> You're such a jerk. No. Because <laughs> that'll ruin the whole surprise if it does turn out like that. Well, we'll stop arguing on the podcast with everyone listening. Well, I'm just to us. not going give to give it up. Okay, obviously. <laughs> but I really like the egg Russian roulette idea. One of our Instagram friends mentioned it. And I know we talked about it before on the podcast, but turns out we talk about like serious things on the podcast. Like this is the time we talk to each other <laughs> when we are sitting across the room. Yeah. By the way, update, for those of you who've been listening for a long time, you know that we used to podcast up until today in the dining room. But now we have a little space in our basement. Yes. We brought the podcast table down. We got our little mic set up. <laughs> we have a studio. There's like literally. With everything that we can't fit in the garage. Yeah. Like all of Henley's baby stuff that now can be used for baby number two. Yeah. If it's a girl, I guess, because they're well, all if anybody, If anybody watched our Jamie and Doug plus one on Lifetime, it's the Doug's man cave buddy cubby or what did i call it hainer buddy hainer i don't know the, yeah it's essentially supposed to be the man cave but i ripped that all down because right. we needed a place to put a treadmill and a podcast and a bed and a bed for when we have guests because now 
our the bet one of the guest rooms has to be a nursery. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting! I can't wait to find out if it's a boy or girl because I'm just ready to start decorating the the one bedroom. We already like took things out of it. We're starting to like prep. We have one bedroom, but I don't know like colors yet because if it's a boy, I definitely want like a navy blue, white, and gray. Nautical, yeah nautical for sure so good because i just feel like nautical and new york yankees no they don't go together yes they We have do. to have two boys one can be Royal nautical, blue and white and gray yeah but we don't need like baseballs and boats yeah well we didn't need flowers and pink stuff for henley see it's just flowers see yeah. it all matches so you got flowers i get little baseballs okay fine then let's choose baseballs or boats doesn't have to okay. be both which one do you want? Well, some boats have baseballs on it, so we'll just choose those okay. kinds of boats. But if it's a girl, geez, if it's a girl, do we do pink? Henley's kind of pink, so maybe the girl yeah. would be purple? Maybe. What do parents do when they have two of, of like the same gender? Like make hand it me similar? Downs, oh, usually. I have so many hand-me-downs. If we have a girl, not a problem whatsoever. I yeah. have everything we could possibly need and more. That's if it's right. a boy, uh... Yeah, Henley may not be so forthcoming with our toys, but I guess we won't have to worry about that for a while. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that for a while, but if it's a boy, all the clothes I have for Henley, like I was so excited to have a girl. They're all frilly and pink and <laughs> flowers and tutus. No, you'll love dressing up a boy just as much too. No, but I'm saying I don't have hand-me-downs for a boy. Right. Like we'd have to go shopping for a boy because like even like the swing and like things like that were all pink. Like her... Everything is pink because yeah. I was just so excited to have a girl. <laughs> but now I'm like, poop, if it's a boy. Yeah, but doesn't that, isn't that the fun part? It's like, you know, when you used to get excited to go to school for the, you know, after the summer, it's like you go, you get your trapper keeper, you get <laughs> your some, trapper keeper, you get some outfits to go to what people don't use trapper keepers. Anymore. I don't know, but I do remember it. I think you're aging yourself though. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Oh, are you kidding me? I, I would love to have the quote unquote problem of having to go shopping for boy clothes. Yeah, I would it'll be fun. And I think it would be kind of cute if it is a boy. I mean, I'm not going to buy all that expensive stuff all over again. The boy's just going to have yeah. to hang out in it's big sisters, pink stuff. Now you want, you want to stick with an H name, right? Yeah. I, I really like that idea. Do you want to do that, Doug? I mean, what if the next baby we do with an M and then the next baby is a C what? And the next oh baby is a P. Oh my gosh, I see exactly where you're going. No, because... For hot marriage, cool parents. Because I don't even know if I like still, if I love this title. I feel like it's very like self... Absorbed? Yeah. And it's actually... Well, each week, we're going to get <laughs> all of you. <laughs> we have got to change that intro. Because each week... We have the best guests on. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I got to change. It's been almost a year, by the way, for those of you guys listening. Thank well, you so much for hanging out with us for almost a full year. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, we're approaching episode 50. Yep. It's been almost a year. Yeah. So in December, December 25th last year, it was like our Christmas present and We to haven't you. missed a week, right? Maybe we one. We missed one week. We took a one week break in the oh, whole yeah. entire year. That's right. And that's it. So we should have 51 episodes for the first year. And That's awesome. Yeah, and we're not giving up. We're going to keep going and going and going because we really, truly love connecting with you guys every single week here on the podcast. Does Henley come into the delivery room? No, no. right? Oh, my God. I think, she'd be, I think she'd be scarred for life. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, she would be scarred for life, Doug. I mean, I, I feel I like watched, you're scarred for life. I watched Matt come out. You did? No, I'm just kidding. I was gonna say, like, that's crazy. Yeah, that'd be weird. Matt's his younger brother. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's definitely not. But she does come in to meet the baby. Oh my gosh, Doug, I can't imagine that. <laughs> Oh, I can't imagine seeing her I holding know. a baby and kissing a real live baby that's ours. Oh, yeah. Doug, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, I wonder what's going to... Maybe she'll turn into a daddy's girl after that. <laughs> she is such a mama's girl. Every <laughs> night, I want mommy to put me to sleep. Yeah. You know, we still... Our routine with Henley is that we if still... If I force her to... I, could, I, I know how to redirect her to where she doesn't ask for you. Like I know how mentally to redirect her and then she's fine with it. But there's just some times where she's just out and I'm frustrated. And that's when I come down and I say, James, get up here. Yeah. She, she always asks for me to put her down, which I don't mind. And also, you know, I don't know how many people still rock their baby to sleep at night at the two year mark. I was just thinking that tonight. Cause I'm like, I bet a lot of people probably think this might be silly that we still rock our two year old to sleep, but it's just the time that we cuddle with her. It's not really mm. that long. And she knows the routine. Like we give her a cup to drink yeah. and we rock her to sleep for like literally five minutes. And then we say, okay, less than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, sometimes it's not even that long. We read the book, we rock her, we put her in bed. The only problem is, is that she likes to sleep with her cup of milk. And then obviously that's really bad for her teeth. And I know that, but like, I don't know how much she drinks. You know, when I, when I walk in to wake her up and she'll have the milk, it's still like the same amount that I left it in. Like even last night, so it was the same amount of milk. Yeah. But if she takes one drink and then it coats her teeth and then her teeth start to rot. Oh, they're going to fall out anyway. A tug <laughs> What? Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, you know how we like to give a shout out to Himalaya. We partner with them because they're an awesome free app where you can organize all your favorite podcasts in one spot. You can follow them and interact within each episode. So we go there and respond to all of you guys. Of course, we do love it when you come to our Instagram pages too. And by yes. the way, Hot Marriage Cool Parents has almost 50,000 followers and we're going to do a huge giveaway for when it does have 50,000. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. Thank you guys so much for being such loyal yeah. supporters and followers of the show. We really appreciate it. And we really appreciate all of your five-star reviews. So this one comes from iTunes. This one comes from, and this is exciting for me because it's a former president, Barack <laughs> Obama 1108. Barack Obama himself, huh? Yes. Who says, I'm not a mom and don't have any experience with pregnancy loss. But You shouldn't, I, Barack. You're a guy. But I still love listening to your podcast. I've been a fan of you guys since you were on Married at First Sight. I love listening in and hearing all of your updates in life. I love how open you are with what you're experiencing. You two are real, kind, and genuine people. Listening to you guys during work makes it much easier and much more fun. Keep up the great work, guys. Congrats on the new little one. I'm so happy for your family. Oh, thank you so much, Barack. I'm, I mean, I know for sure you're not Barack Obama, but... You don't know that. I guess I don't know that. But anyways, thank you so much for yes. leaving us a five-star review. It honestly means the world to us because, you know, it just lets us know that we are connecting with you because sometimes, you know, we are talking into a mic in our basement <laughs> right now. So it's just nice to know that you're listening and you're out there and you're finding our podcast to be valuable and, yep. and you know, worthy of listening to. So and that it means keeps us honest and humbled. Yeah, it means a lot to us. So we love you guys. You all know that though. Today we have 
an amazing guest on. So Pastor Cal Roberson from Married at First Sight. He's an expert on Married at First Sight. He's not just an expert on Married at First Sight, though. He's a pastor of his own church. He's a very well-rounded individual. Oh my I mean, God. this is someone that is so engaging and someone that I've, I haven't had much interaction with because he wasn't one of the experts when we were on our season, but he is one of the most passionate people that I've ever met with what, anything that he does. And he cares so much about people and about relationships. And he is one of the perfect experts for a show like Married at First Sight. But what I really like about him is that he's not scared to like shoot it straight. If you're being ridiculous, he will flat out say you are being ridiculous. Or if you're being super awesome, he will also, you know, he's not scared to like give out compliments either. He's just a really, like Doug said, a well-rounded individual and just a, an amazing person filled with wisdom to be able to chat with. And so well, we should bring him on. Yeah, we'll definitely bring him on. I just wanted to give a little love to him before he came on because I think he'd be embarrassed if we <laughs> said this in front of him. Probably. Because <laughs> he's just not that kind of guy. I get to see him each week for Married at First Sight Unfiltered when we're when we're filming that well I shouldn't say each week because we really only film like once a month or so it's just I always feel really lucky when I get to talk to him because he really has so much wisdom about relationships and marriages but not even just you don't have to be married his advice is just good for any relationship not even relationships like intimate ones but parenting or friendships he's just filled with such great advice and I really think you guys are going to get a lot of good feedback from him Let's get him on. Yeah. Are you looking for someone to share their deepest, darkest secrets on keeping their marriage spicy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you like please dish on how to be a cool parent? Because yeah, I don't know. Please tell me. Well, Jamie Yotis and Doug Hayner have got all you hubbies and wifeys and mommies and daddies covered. Yep, that's us. Because each week, we're finding a guest who will spill all their dirty secrets. Oh, yeah. Because we all want to keep our marriages hot and our parenting cool. Here's the show. For Married at First Sight and Lifetime TV fans, you know Pastor Calvin Roberson as one of the relationship experts on shows like Little Women of Atlanta, Seven Year Switch, Ultimate Staycation, and arguably the greatest show on Lifetime, Married at First Sight. Pastor Cal has dedicated more than 25 years to philanthropy and ministry as a lead pastor. Pastor Cal and his wife, Wendy, joined forces in 2009, and since then, they have been working together to help couples and families resolve conflict and improve relationships. Pastor Cal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's good to be here. I feel like we didn't express everything that you do, but we tried to make it as concise as possible because we have so much to ask you. So since I get the privilege of seeing you and chatting with you frequently, I wanted to give our <laughs> listeners, our friends, a chance to ask you their own questions. So I put it out on Instagram and oh my goodness, Pastor Cal, get ready because they have some serious questions for you. All right, <laughs> let's dive in, let's dive in. All right, well, let's start with this question from Kerry B 14 who asks, how do you know if he or she is the one? That's, that, that's a, such a common question. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna shoot straight. I think, I think sometimes, I think we're obsessed with this idea of finding the one. And I think we all want that. You, you know, we all want the one in our lives. But let me start by saying, I'm not convinced and I don't believe that there is only one person that you were ever meant to be with in life. I believe that there are a, probably a number of people 
that you could probably be compatible with. Some of the things that we've done uh, on Married at First Sight, as well as you know what, what Wendy and I have done um, when we're doing uh, our own premarital counseling, is that we look at a few things. Number one, we look at what are their core values. Mm-hmm. Every relationship, in order for it to be successful, has to have some similar core. And your core values are those things in your life that are irreplaceable, those things that you live your life by. Family, honesty, is it integrity? I'm not talking about whether your hair is blonde or you're six feet tall or anything like that. But what are those things that are are valuable to me? Do you feel like it's best if someone is marrying into a relationship with someone who has the same core values? Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. At least similar core values. Think about this. Your core values are your foundation. So everyone has you know, different values and different foundations on which they, they, they build their lives. Does this person honor family like I do? Does this person honor integrity like I do? Does this person honor monogamy like I do? Yeah, great advice. Okay, so we have from a pool X30. She asks, what's the best way to set some rules about time spent on phone rather than actually spending time together? Kind of weird when you say the word rules, though. It should be kind of a compromise, I always thought. But anyway. Yeah, you know, we've become so obsessed with having ready communication, having this thing right at our fingertips. I believe that it's necessary when you're, when you're planning time together, whether it's a dinner out or whether it's just a conversation out, that you, you, you make a pact that you're not going to stay on your phone when you're in the presence of your significant other. Yeah, well, and, and all of that is great advice. And it's something that Jamie and I struggle with with Henley. But then we're just like, well, maybe she's just two years old and doesn't understand the importance of conversation going back and forth. And you try to keep her away from technology. But, you know, technology uh-huh. is going to be there for her, her whole entire lifetime. Oh, my God. And more, man. I mean, I, I thought that we we grew up in a tech age, you know, and then <laughs> I mean, you know, when I had dial up. You know, then then it comes DSL and then, you know, cable and all this other stuff, you know, it's Wi-Fi. And and now, you know, I look at my my kid, my youngest daughter, you know, just started college and she's like tech savvy. But now I look at these little kids. Oh, my gosh. What they're going to be inundated with is mind blowing. Yeah. All they will know is technology. So it's going to take decided effort and parents such as you guys. We're teaching your kids from early on that communication, old-fashioned communication, old-fashioned talking, old-fashioned putting that away and actually connecting with someone via eye contact is the most effective and the most powerful way to stay in touch with someone. Yeah, and, and that's absolutely great advice. And it's something that you know more of us should make a priority. We have another question from Sun underscore Love92 who asks, can you share tips on how to blend a go-with-the-flow type personality and a very detail-oriented, micromanaged type of personality? <laughs> and I didn't write this one. Oh, God. <laughs> Is that you guys? What are you trying to say, Doug? (laughs) Who's the go with the flow between the two of you? Definitely not Um, me. (laughs) I like all my ducks in a row. Uh, Yes, I I believe you do. Everything Uh, has a home. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's 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 such a great question. You know, one thing that we do when when we're matching individuals to be married at first sight is we don't just look for people who are compatible, who have compatibilities. But we look for people also who have compatible differences. And compatible differences mean that, you know, okay, if you're an introvert, you might need someone who's a little more extroverted. If you didn't come from a a close-knit family, 
but you might want somebody who does have a close-knit family because that's something you need in your life. So I think that quite often when we look at someone who maybe is easygoing and someone who's, who's very detail-oriented, I think that that can be, it will be annoying, okay, but it can be absolutely beneficial. And I think experience comes w- with a lot of that too. It's, you know, finding someone that is easygoing and then maybe that relationship sort of parts ways and then find someone that is detail oriented. You learn from these experiences Absolutely. And, and when you're ready to be married and to settle down, you use the life experiences to find that person that's going to fit your lifestyle yeah. uh, and future. Okay. Yeah. So- Let's switch gears real fast. This one is a tough one. I, I fair warned you that some of these are a little <laughs> rougher than others. Time Traveler 9875, she asks, is it okay for your spouse to tell a work friend, quote unquote work friend, of opposite sex more things than me? Like apparently she's having this issue with her spouse. An emotional friend. Never. Absolutely not. There is no way you can you can even rationalize or justify a yes out of this. That's an absolute no-no. Think of it like, like me having, like, like you having an intimacy bucket and your partner has an intimacy bucket, okay? If I'm pouring out of mine into hers, and that's great, there can be a reciprocal flow. But the moment I start pouring out of mine into someone else's, we're just talking about emotional here. The moment I start pouring out of mine into someone else's, I'm losing from mine and it's going somewhere else and she's still pouring into me, but she's getting nothing back. So it's almost like if I'm giving someone else my emotional energy, if I'm giving someone else my, 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 my conversational intimacy, okay, I'm not giving that to my wife. She's going to notice, she's going to feel it, and she's going to feel neglected or vice versa, whether it's wife or husband. I really because, like that that whole bucket of intimacy thing because it, oh my it is. It's like once you start to spread out the intimacy, you start to lose focus on you know, your original bucket. Oh, absolutely. Where the priority should be. And it's so easy to do, Doug, man. It, it's very easy because, you know, especially if there's a problem going on in your relationship, you know, we're, we're social beings. We have to confide in somebody. We got to talk to somebody. I'm telling you, somebody right. said that, you know, the grass is green on the other side because it's growing over a cesspool. Yep. And, you know, you, you, you got to believe that that grass is greener <laughs> for a reason. It's well, sewer grass. Sure. All right. <laughs> That's sewer grass. So the next question isn't as educational or emotional, but we do want to ask from S. Jager, who says, what are your thoughts on masturbation and porn in marriage? Uh, (laughs) Oh, they did get deep, didn't they? Yep. Okay. Okay. Okay, Here's the deal. There are different schools of thought when it comes to masturbation and porn. I do believe that if you and your partner are are participating in that in a sexual act that's on you guys you know do that okay fine if that's if that's something you guys have worked out in your marriage that you like to see each other doing that or whatever that's your business nobody else has a right to be in your bedroom now the other the other side of that is if if it's something just being specific on masturbation if it's something that that you're doing because you're not getting sexual satisfaction at home that's a different ball game if you're masturbating I'm just, let's just talk about guys. There has to be an image in your mind. There has to be something that you're thinking about, which is where porn comes in. But if, even if there isn't porn, you have to be thinking about something. There has to be some image, some vision in your mind that's going to excite you. People use porn for that excitement. The question is, 
in my is my brain believing that this is just fantasy or is my brain actually being trained that it's okay to have another party present for me to you know be excited about you know i'm not standing as a judge over anyone but the question is if that's something you're into together you're actually bringing another person digitally into your bedroom and your mind is saying hey you know what there's another person we need to be excited about let, let, me, let me just shoot straight since they shooting straight with me sure. guys are so visual if you're looking at Porn queens from, you know, <laughs> you know, you're looking from, you know, hey, Debbie does whatever.com. I don't know. You're looking at that and then you're expecting your wife to measure up to that. You're setting her up for a big disappointment and you're setting yourself up for a big disappointment. Right. And so, you know, to be very transparent, Doug and I, he like, he yeah, I, I bring, I bring digital fantasies to the bathroom, never in the bedroom. Jamie. Yeah. It's always. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sitting here listening to you talk and I'm like, well, I hope it's not the same girl every time because then he's fantasizing over the same girl every time. And then that's like cheating on me. It's just high school classmates from the past that I find on Facebook. No. Oh, you know what? You got to see the boy. Oh, I'm just kidding. You better be. I know. I know, Jackie. I mean, that's a tough question because so, for example, when we were like early pregnant, and I was on progesterone, right. we couldn't really have sex. This is so TMI right. for Pastor Cal, but anyways, but we couldn't. And so then I was like, well, I don't, I mean, of course I don't want him to go elsewhere. So go ahead, take your porn in the bathroom. I could care less. Like as long as you're not bringing right. a girl home or going to a girl's house. <laughs> so yeah. kind of agreed on it, but. Yeah, but Jamie, here's the thing. I, and, and look, and it, again, if this is something as a couple that you can navigate and you can navigate healthfully and and safely, and you both can feel comfortable with it. You know, no one has a right to be in your bedroom or to question what you're doing. Nothing is more exciting to me sexually than Jamie in the flesh. There mm. could be no image, there could be no pornography, anything that will get me as excited as I am when I'm with my wife. You better be speaking Great. the truth. <laughs> and that's and that's awesome that's awesome at, at the end of the day every couple has to find your own balance you have to find your own safety zone the the, the thing is you know are you both comfortable uh, does anyone feel neglected does anyone feel like they're being cheated on right absolutely so km dilly asks does premarital sex take intimacy away once you're married <laughs> wow, I was just in a conversation about this last night. It doesn't have to take intimacy away. 50 years ago, it was the norm to, to not have sex before marriage. Now, the Christian in the Christian world, it still is you know, the preferred thing to not have sex before marriage. Marriage is a sacred union, and so as a result, you know, the first time you're having it, it should be with your spouse, and that's the absolute perfect scenario. However, just speaking realistically, are there many couples I know, whether they're religious or Christian or Buddhist or whatever, that wait until they're married? Nah, no. So I'm just going to get real with it. All those, those, those people out there who was, you know, in church and being holy about it, look, they, they still doing their thing before they get married. So I, I'm speaking to that reality that it does not have to take away 
intimacy. I wonder where that whole stereotype came in place, because it's even you see it on TV, you see people just saying, okay, yeah, marriage is less sex, or, you know, I'm married, it's okay to not have sex. Yeah. And it's just weird. It's very weird, man. The thing is, is that once you're married, the more you're communicating with with your spouse, the better your sex is going to be. I've always called sex the highest form of communication. And so the more communicative I am with my spouse, the more, or my significant other, but my spouse in for us, the more I'm communicating, the more the walls are down, the more there are no emotional barriers, that we're speaking openly and honestly and feeling good about each other, the better the sex is going to be. You yeah. know, I mean, you can have great sex, you know, and then have a bad marriage, but it's hard to have a great marriage and always have bad sex. Okay, we have to take a real quick break from our interview with Pastor Cal and let you know about the a few sponsors we have from this week because they are great. They're literally products that I, well, at least I use every single day. Doug, I don't think Doug, <laughs> Doug doesn't use it every day and you'll find out why here soon. But the first one is deodorant. I honestly never used to wear deodorant because I was very scared of the ingredients inside. I mean, wasn't deodorant, great. <laughs> wasn't great. Deodorant is can be very, very toxic. No joke. You have to be careful with the deodorant that you're putting on your body. And the great thing about Native is that it works, but it doesn't have any aluminum, parabens, or talc. And it's filled with ingredients that are found in nature, like coconut oil and shea butter. And the tapioca starch that it has in it helps absorb the wetness, and it actually works. So making the switch to a natural deodorant doesn't have to mean that you sacrifice on odor or wetness protection. And if you're like us, and you look at reviews, and you base products off of reviews, check out Native. They have over 8,000 five-star reviews. Yeah, that's what kind of sold me on it to begin with because if it doesn't have a good review, I'm like, well, do I really want to try it? But they do. And the great thing is too is they have ingredients that you know. So less is more with Native. They have fewer, simpler ingredients so you know everything that's in your deodorant. And like I said before, aluminum can be linked to some serious health ramifications, but Native is aluminum-free, safe, and effective. They have a wide variety of enticing scents for both men and women. Plus, they release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. So you always have something fresh. My all-time favorite, the one that I use every single day, is coconut and vanilla. It smells amazing. It works spectacularly. Like, it's awesome. But I also really like the lavender and rose. And there's absolutely no risk to try. They offer free returns and exchanges throughout the United States. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code HMCP during checkout. I promise you, we will not regret it. That's 20% off your first purchase. Just visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code HMCP during checkout. Don't be the smelly kid in class. No. That's my husband's joke. Yes. (laughs) I just used it. I'm sure Pastor Cal is happy that he's not here for this next one because oh, well, this is something near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So this next one, honestly, it's an important thing to talk about, even though it's not comfortable for everyone, but it's about like, you know, your period. And I, as you know, by now I'm obsessed with non-toxic, super clean and safe products. And I don't know if you've ever heard of L before, but I have just recently discovered them. It's L. That's the letter L. It's a period and personal care company that makes organic period products without the ingredients you can't pronounce and only with certified organic cotton. And it's focused on giving you organic period care without the organic prices. 
Elle makes tampons, pads, and liners with organic cotton because they believe a natural product just makes sense for a natural process so they don't use pesticides, chlorine, fragrances, or dyes. You would think that would be the industry standard for something that stays in your body for one or two days. Like that should... Doug, it doesn't stay in your body for one or two days. It stays in your body like, you know, each time you go pee, like a couple hours. You switch one out every time? But even still though, like you don't want to put anything in your body that has any of those things in it. Like... Right. So you're right. But Doug, did you really think you would keep a tampon in for two yeah, days? I didn't know you switch it out after every bathroom break. I mean, come on. I can't believe you didn't know that. Oh, that I'm is, not a pro. That is really funny. They're making their award-winning organic period care products easily accessible to you and to women around the world who need them. Because for every L product you purchase, one is made accessible to a woman or girl who needs it. To date, they've actually made over 200 million products accessible You'll find L by going to just your local Target store. It's the best looking package on the shelf. Look for a clear canister with a gold lid or white bags with a large gold circle on the front. Or you can get L organic tampons, pads, and liners right now by going to thisisl.com slash HMCP. That's thisisl.com slash HMCP. The words this is and the letter L.com slash HMCP. You know, the only thing worse than having zero time for holiday shopping and zero ideas for gifts is having zero money to buy the gifts. Yeah, you're not kidding. But Zebit is fixing all of these problems with their amazing online marketplace and products available with zero interest, zero fees, and zero cost to join. I honestly thought that this was like too good that to be true. sounds way too good to be true. Yeah, I know. I looked into it though because I was like, what? So with Zebit, simply choose a product you love and you only have to pay a small portion of the price at checkout. The rest you pay over time. And I swear to goodness, it's at 0% interest. So we were looking into Beats by Dre, but those are $309. So like- The headphones. For, yeah, Beats by Dre. Those are like really popular. And I feel like my niece and nephew, like they would absolutely love it. It's way too big of a gift for them, I think, but- Well, only, if you're only having to pay fifteen forty-five, no joke, that's all I have to pay is $15.45. And then they ship it to me. And then I just finish the payout, 13 payments over six months. And literally it comes out to zero interest. Whether you're planning now or shopping last minute for anything, that seems like a no-brainer. When it's too late to ship something, you can even get gift cards. So Zebit gives you instant access to dozens of different brands and stores like Nike, Macy's, Old Navy, Foot Locker. So whether you're knocking your list out ahead of time or scrambling for something last minute, with Zebit, you're one click away from a great holiday gift. Sign up for Zebit today at Zebit dot com slash HMCP and get up to $2,500 credit to shop at Zebit Marketplace at zero interest and zero cost to join. And no joke, I just did this myself. It does not ding your credit score whatsoever. That's Zebit, Z-E-B-I-T dot com slash HMCP for $2,500 of interest-free credit. Zebit.com slash HMCP. Okay, let's get Pastor Cal back on. But thank you guys so much for listening to our sponsors because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to have this podcast. So we appreciate it. Yes. Well, that actually leads us into the next question that we got to from Robin Lynn, 1968, who asks, is a sexless relationship okay? We've been together for 13 (laughs) years and no sex for the last five years. Okay, look. Is is a sexist marriage okay? They've been together for thirteen years and no sex for five. And no sex five. for five. That they, they need counseling. They need to go into therapy immediately. 
listen, sex is a natural and necessary part of every marriage. It's necessary. If you're in a relationship where you're not having sex, it is a symptom that something is actually wrong. You know, and I know people can say, hey, we've just gotten accustomed to it and we're okay with it. That's a lie. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. I'm thinking one person may be okay with it. And I've talked to enough people, talked with someone recently where they, they're in a sexist marriage and she feels that things are great. And he's like, I'm losing my mind. It's an excuse. And it's an excuse. It is. You're absolutely right. So the thing is that if there is no sex in marriage, there has to be therapy. Someone needs to talk about it. Someone needs to talk to someone. Is there a physiological issue? Is there a loss of libido? Is there a loss of testosterone or estrogen? I mean, something is going on, but that has to be found out. And that has to be addressed immediately. Because the, for as long as you're not having sex, best believe those desires are still there for your partner, for the one who is being left out of it. It has no sex drive. I think people forget that sex drive is not just emotional. It's actually physiological. It can be emotional, you know, if, if, we're not, if we're not in love with someone. But if you are in love with someone, you just don't have a sex drive, it could be a lowered libido. That person actually needs to see a doctor. I love my husband or I love my wife and I just don't feel it. I don't want to have sex. It, it more than likely there's a physiological issue there. I don't think that Linda is alone in this issue. Like, I believe right. lots <clears throat> of women have a lower libido than their partner. And because this isn't, she's not the only one that asked that. So what is your advice for someone who does have a decreased sex drive? There are a number of different natural things out there. It sounds funny, but for men, it's like horny goat weed. It's an actual root. Also, there are other female libido boosters like ginkgo biloba and ginger extract. And, and, and for men, you know, there, there are a number of things out there also. I mentioned the horny goat weed, but uh, there, there are so many things that are out there for, for them. And do your research. You know, I don't want anyone to go say, hey, I took this and it's not working because it may not work for everybody. Right. So, right. But, there, but there are definitely a lot of different remedies. If we could switch gears to a more serious topic, though, then and this one's a good hey, one. Hey, that's pretty serious, Doug. Yeah, no, I know. Okay, no. <laughs> hey, you're speaking my language. I just <laughs> oh, I, I realized that I, I could speak any- the sex language and now I'm bilingual. I never there you go. <laughs> I don't think, Doug, you don't need any herbal remedies. No, 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 no. No, Jamie, you're you're enough for me, Jamie. Oh, whatever. Fine, get a room. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Well, this one's from Aminata Banana 012, who asks, how do you rebuild trust in a marriage and overcome lying? Big question I would have is, is when was trust lost and how was it lost? Is it because of lying? Is it because of infidelity? And, and because there's a, there's, a, there's a definite difference there. And in order to rebuild trust, there has to be effort on both sides. There's the, the person who did the offense, and then there's the person who was offended. I think quite often we think of the effort only being on the offender's side. Right. The person who did the offense, whether it's infidelity, whether, whether it's uh, any sort of habitual lying or whatever, whatever, that person can stop lying. That person can make apologies for, for infidelity or what have you. That person can go every, you know, you know, a number of lengths in order to correct their behavior. But on the other side, for the person who's offended, there also has to be a complete and total forgiveness. Now, when, when we, we teach couples and, and conferences about what forgiveness looks like after an offense, and it's probably a little different than what a lot of people might, might think because... If you really forgive someone, I mean, a total and complete forgiveness, it means that I have released you from my judgment. 
I've released you from my negativity. I've released you from my lording over you and, and pointing out your, your, your errors. And I think that there has to be a serious effort on the sides of the offended as well as the offender when it comes to when it comes to this. The offended person really has to learn what forgiveness looks like. And that means that you have to forgive not only the act, but you have to forgive the actor, which means you, to say that, okay, I forgive you, but if you, um, I'm going to hold this over your head, and if you screw up again, hey, I'm out of here. That's not real forgiveness. Right. Forgiveness says that, you know what, I'm forgiving the fact that you have a, a challenge in this area. And so even if you do it again, I have already forgiven you for that. Ay, ay, ay. And that's, that's a big, that's a big deal. Yeah. Anything short of that though, Jamie, anything short of that though is going to lead, I'm going to imprison myself because I'm going to say, I forgive you. But then in the back of my mind, I'm watching you and I'm going to be careful. I'm looking, I'm making sure that, Hey, look, okay. So I'm just, Oh, what was that? Did that happen again? Okay, fine. I'm just watching you. Well, then you really haven't forgiven. Forgiven. Forgiveness means I'm cleaning the slate. Yeah. As though you've never done anything. And if it ever happens again, I'll have to revisit it at that time. So and I'll well, have to be just as forgiving them. So what happens then, like Natalie HTX, she asks, can a marriage still be successful after an affair? So they would Absolutely. obviously have to forgive that affair. But yeah. then if it happened again, you would have to automatically just forgive. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, well, and what advice do you give to, to help someone that would like to forgive an affair? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And, and great questions. If an affair has happened, you have to make a choice. First of all, the person who committed the affair, that person has to give the person they offended the latitude and the opportunity to heal, which, and God knows how long that's going to take or, or what's going to be required. You're going to have to answer all the questions that, that that person needs to ask. You're going to have to reveal everything that person needs to reveal. You got to go the extra mile. But the person who's actually been offended you, that person has to say, hey, look, you know what? I do forgive you. But then you have a choice to make because if this is a consistent pattern of behavior, you have to forgive. Now, just forgiving you doesn't mean you got to stay. Right. It means I have to forgive you. Whether you stay or whether you leave is irrelevant. Forgiveness, ha forgiveness has to happen. Whether you stay or leave, you have to forgive. Forgiveness yeah, exactly. is for you. It's not for the other person. Exactly. I totally agree. Lisa, which asks, how do you know when enough is enough in your marriage, when to keep trying or when to just call it quit? I'm, I'm a big fan of marriage and just hanging in there and just fighting through everything. There are a couple of instances, though, when I believe that fighting is, is not productive. One is if there's physical abuse. I, I, don't, I, I have to leave that up to, up to the, the person who's, who's being hurt as to whether or not they feel that that's salvageable. But I if there's physical... Run. I'm just uh -huh. going to throw it out there. I say, Ron, if you're being physically abused... Oh, and God, yeah. Tried, and that's my first response. Oh, my God. My Get first, out of there. Yeah, my first response is run. However, I do know of couples, a couple that I counseled eight years ago. She, was, she hit him, and he hit her, and she woke up 30 minutes later. <sighs> and he literally knocked her unconscious. And they decided to stay and work through it. That was a turning point in their relationship. Today, they are beyond happy. They are accomplishing things together. 
they they're doing some incredible things in their community. They they found themselves, but that was their situation, which is why I can't all I can't say just carte blanche. Nope, leave. Yeah, I do understand leaving, and it, and if someone hits, if a guy hits a woman, no, you deserve to be strung up by your gonads. Right. <laughs> but you know the fact of the matter is, can I say, hey, under every circumstance, leave? No, I cannot. But can I say that the majority of the times it might be a valid reason to leave? Yes, I can. The next question, there's actually three, three different people that kind of ask the same question. And this is a, a very common one that we get. So Alyssa.Saleh and MLA Pierre 81 asks, tips when your marriage has gotten lost in kids and just surviving, any tips to spice it up? And in the same category, what is the best marital advice that you give to new parents? Oh, wow. Uh, when your marriage has got lost in kids, wow. Find a very trustworthy babysitter. I, I, I believe that when you have children, here, here's the thing, with, with every major event in, in, your, in your marriage or in your life, I believe there always should be a time of readjustment, a time when you come aside and, and even go through therapy. So, and having a child is one of those. It's a major event in your life. Huge. And when those major, as you know, and when those major events happen, there has to be a time when you recalibrate and you come together and sort of, sort of re, re, sort of re, recalibrate, recalibrate and readjust your marriage. That cannot happen if you're not spending significant time together. I suggest that when you have kids, you increase your date nights. Increase your times away. Something that Jamie and I did was actually scheduling it. You know, we would schedule yes. ahead for it. But we can't yes. talk like we're pros at this because we haven't had a date and I can't tell you how long. It no. is yeah. long it's tough. Time. So it's tough, but you have to schedule date nights. And it's, you, you have, have to. to look at this as being the life of your relationship. If your child, if little Henley does not see that mom and dad are healthy and that they're doing well, it's really going to not be good for her. I mean, people think that I'll pour all my life into my child or pour all my life. Kids don't want that. Kids want to see happy mommy and dad. My wife has a philosophy. It's us versus them. Okay. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's so us funny. versus the kids. You know, it's <laughs> like, hey, so we got to take care of us. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Your advice when you said after you have a kid, you should actually increase your date nights. Some increase might, your date nights. Yeah. Some people might think that's funny or silly or not attainable. But honestly, I think that is the best advice because I'll tell you what, if you don't, you will get sucked up into the monotony of just taking care of kids. And there's nothing yes. wrong with, you know, just taking care of kids and having a good relationship with them and whatnot. But it really does, as like everybody knows, and Doug and I are, have learned as well, like it really takes a toll on your relationship and your marriage. Don't you want your kids to see a happy and healthy mommy and daddy rather than like ones that just pour everything into just them? Oh my gosh, yes. Because, and, and here's the other side of that, Jamie, is it, the funny thing is that your, your child is taking notes. They're taking mental notes. I mean, inadvertently, they're not, you know, consciously doing it, but they're taking notes of how, what a marriage looks like. If for them, all they ever see is mom and dad catering to and pouring into my life, their idea of marriage is that, hey, I am the focal point. Right. 
their idea is that this is all about me. Then you have a child who only thinks about themselves, you know, right. because it's like, hey, everything's about me in this marriage. Then when that child grows up and they go to look for a partner. Bingo. Yeah. You're absolutely right. They're going to go into a marriage and they're going to say, hey, look, it's all about me. This is all about me. But if they see that mom is into dad, dad is into mom, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, it's you know, them. I was going to say, and, and I find that a lot of new parents, especially, and, and some of these thoughts kind of came in is you struggle between this whole quote unquote priority of being a parent, being a husband or being a wife when one doesn't have to necessarily take precedent over the other, but they should be separate in the way that you approach things. You, you have to still be a husband. You have to still be a wife. You have to still be a partner. And you could also still be great parents. Oh, and absolutely. You know, one shouldn't have to be like, yeah, you don't have to make a choice. It should right. just be, this is how I'm going to spread myself out now. Yeah. On a more serious topic too. And this is, this is a tough one. And this is from Mrs. Billy 1103 who asks how to deal with the grief after a loss of a child when one is ready mm. to take the next step, but the other isn't. Mm, wow. That is very, very, very difficult. Because I don't know if there are any, if there's any more difficult thing than to deal with the state, to deal with the death of a child. I've seen my mother go through that with, with the death of my, my sister. It's, it's, it's devastating. It, it's just incredibly devastating. And, it's, so, and, and here's the thing is that nobody can say how to deal with it because no one understands how a person feels going through it even though you may have gone through the same thing. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't tell the story too often that, you know, that my, my, my sister died in 1999 mm-hmm. and after a long illness, uh, and, and I actually gave her a kidney. She had complete renal failure and the kidney oh. only lasted three days. Oh. And after that, a couple of years later, she succumbed to the illness and, and, and passed away. And, but my grief was one thing, but my mom's grief was something of a whole different no, it was just a, it was a completely different. Never seen that before. Dealing with the grief of grief of a child, the person who is ready to move forward, you cannot judge your ability to deal with that grief by your spouse's ability. Everyone deals with grief differently. And uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross talks about those five stages, which, you know, denial and anger and, and then bargaining, depression, and then lastly, acceptance. Everyone has to go through those, those stages of grief. As far as acceptance goes, you never truly accept the death. Someone says that time heals all wounds. I don't believe it does. I believe the only thing that time does is that it puts more distance between the event and where you are. Yep. Is that healing? I don't think so. Not necessarily healing. What it is, it's distance. And it's coping. It's, it's able to cope because I'm further away from it. But you're always going to feel it. But if one person is moving faster than the other, then you're going to have to slow down and respect that person's grieving grieving, uh, process. So I'm going to switch gears now because we're we're heading towards more of the married at first sight type questions because we do get a lot. The number one most requested question for 
any married at first sight expert as the number one question for you. So, and I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on it too. So this is going to be about Dr. Jessica and John, who everybody knows Dr. Jessica was an expert on the show and John was a participant and ended up divorcing his wife. And now they're, what are your thoughts? (laughs) I'll tell you what my thoughts are to kind of like lead into it because we, it's literally the number one question that's always thrown out there all over social media, all over, yeah. you know, everywhere. Everyone's wondering like, so what happened where Dr. Jessica ends up with John? And my thoughts, and I, and I feel like I, it doesn't really matter what my thoughts are anyways, because it doesn't matter what anyone's <clears throat> thoughts are. It, all that matters is that they're happy one way or the other. And, you know, that's, that's really should be all, all that matters. Right. But I would just say that. I would say Dr. Jessica is a very, very professional expert and you know the fact that she's not on the show is understandable considering she's now with the participant but i would still say that she is like by far so professional and so good at what she does and john is one lucky fella to have that woman that's all i have to say <laughs> yeah yeah let me yeah and I, you know what and i was like oh my god i'm gonna answer this but then i said you know what What the heck let me be honest <laughs> that always, always wins out jessica is one of the most proficient as you said Jamie, she's one of the most efficient and proficient experts we've ever had. Her background, her clinical skill, and just her as a person, she's just been awesome. Her relationship with John was something that was unexpected for her. She didn't seek out to, you know, and there have been some, 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 some nutty comments out there. It's, I see why she got on Molly and all this other crap. And let me just say that's complete crap. We all worked together on this show, and there was absolutely nothing going on between Jessica and John during the taping of that. And there's so no time it, for it. There's no time. Yeah, and even if there were, you know, there was, you know, she, no, she, she, she never would have crossed that line. And just, and let me just say this: as, as, as experts on the show, we are not sitting in therapeutic roles for right. for these people. Our job is not to be their therapists. We don't. Uh, sign any kind of therapeutic agreement with them. So for those people who are saying, well, she's a therapist and there's, there was an ethical issue and all that, none of that applies because we're not. What we are is we're their advisors. We come in, we advise the show. We advise the show. We talk to people about, you know, about what they should do in their marriage. We don't, we don't sit down and have count. We're not, we're, we're not clinicians in the confines of the show. So she didn't break any professional rules. I think that she and John found each other long after the show was done. And it just happened that she wasn't looking for that. I don't think he was either, but they found each other and, and it started to blossom. And as it blossomed, the show decided, you know, had, had decisions they had to make and, and Jessica and John had decisions they had to make. And that's how it ended up. They're engaged now. They're going to be married. And so, you know, yeah. All right, Cal. So, (laughs) Carrie Blossoms asks, which couple in Married at First Sight history do you feel like is the worst matched? Oh, my gosh. Are you going to allow to answer That's terrible this? because we, I imagine, look, we matched them all from season four on. So I don't want to say anything about worst, worst match because that's indicting me. But <laughs> right? I, think, I think that probably the biggest disappointment, one of the biggest disappointments, yeah, I would say it's probably, oh, God, there, there are a few, actually. Ugh. 
but one would be in Miami. Derek, Derek and, and Amber. Yeah. Amber. Yes, yes, that that couple. Yeah, it was that that was just uh, as far as bad matches go. Yeah, that was not a that was not. That was not a, a good one, and I, I, I felt really bad. That was my first season. I felt really bad because I'm like, oh gosh, you know, you know, we just missed some things, and they they just were not in the same, not on the same page. You know, I I've said this over and over again: the fact that if you know, based on what we go through as far as the couples on the show, if if a, a marriage doesn't work, there's still a silver lining in the fact that you can get to know what you want. You can start to familiarize yourself with what you need in a partner. And, you know, based on what you think you may need when you're doing the assessments and filling out the questions and answering as honestly as possible, then you find that person, you get matched by that person. And then it's just something that maybe you don't need or that that you wouldn't go after and it there's a lot of learning that comes from oh my gosh one of those types of situations yeah and i guess the other one would be kate and luke yeah for sure uh, yeah yeah I'm, and, and this is not this is not to 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 vilify luke or anything because oh, no. you know i they luke luke has i mean he's i i i i don't dislike him as a person at all but, you know, when those lights, you'd be surprised when those lights come on, man, it's, it's amazing how it changes people when those cameras come on. And also Matt and Amber, that was quite disappointing. Yeah, I was thinking of them too. That, oh my God, that was very disappointing. I, I really wanted better for her. Mm-hmm. I don't feel as though he stepped up and, and, and did what we were expecting him to do. I don't even know what that was all about. I'm like, sorry, Amber. I yeah. apologize. Yeah, and so that's the thing. Sorry. That's the thing that as viewers watching the show, it's so easy for them to be like, "What were the experts thinking?" But it's like, <laughs> well, let's be honest. Like, first of all, you're only given, like, you only have what you're given from the participants. So, uh, thank you. you. Know, I mean, and I feel like people don't understand that. And and also, you're watching this all unravel and unfold just like everything <laughs> else. And if they're they're crazy if they think that you guys are just all sitting around like eating popcorn, cheersing that yeah, like you're like exactly. devastated when someone like Matt just doesn't even you know show up for his wife or is completely just like, cheating on her while they're married. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you want to, you, you know, sometimes yeah, you know, I, I feel like, oh my God, if I could strangle some people I, I would is it <laughs> It's like it's like like with you, and you're so right, Jay. Because people are like, oh, that they did this for the just for drama or what? I, look, no one does this for drama. We we would never. You would have to be one kind of sick puppy to put two people together just to watch them fall apart. Yeah, for the I mean, ratings. That, it's like yeah, what? for the ratings. I mean, really, seriously? Yeah, Come on. it is fun to watch. Talking about Amber and Matt, Tangy Taylor asked, why weren't Amber and Raven matched up last season? <laughs> and I was like, ooh, that's a good question because... Yeah. I mean... Well, you know what? I talked to Amber. It's funny because they both applied for the show. Right. I don't think they knew that they were going to apply. I think something happened, but... But it's funny because as we were going through the matchmaking process, they were not necessarily the best match. Oh, well, you know, I just, mean, that makes sense. <laughs> That's why yeah, he did really, it. Yeah, they, really. They were not necessarily the best match. I think that, and then we found out, Amber said that she would not, she said they are so much better as friends. And everyone looked at their camaraderie and how they get along and saying, oh, wow, they should have been matched. Everybody, you don't have to marry everybody you get along with. 
Yeah. But I feel like Raven really does have like heart eyed emoji face for her. Like he, I think he seems like really into her. What do you think? Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I think he likes her. I really do. I don't know if he, if he, if he wants to be with her like that. The last question that we have for you, and we really appreciate your honesty and straight. Oh, this has been a bunch of fun. As always. But Kimberly YS Network asks, why have we not seen a season of maps for any women over 40? We would marry at first sight. And Corbick asks, can y'all do a spinoff show for older people who have been married before and got it wrong? I would love to do that. I really would. I, I, I think that that would be awesome. Unfortunately, these decisions are not ours always as far as, uh, you know, who, you know, the, the age demographics. I think it would be very cool to have uh, older couples. But they're, they're, the only problem we would have is that when you get over 40, there, there are a couple of things that we don't do. We don't have people with children because it's just too traumatic. Sure. You know, to, to bring child. another person in, yeah, to a child's yeah. life. So, and people in their 40s and what have you, there might be children, children, et cetera, et cetera, or people who've been divorced. You know, so uh, the only other option would be to have someone who is, who has grown children. And I think that, that would be very interesting to have people in their 50s, even, you know, and then you have the grown children who are getting involved and helping to, you know, helping them through the process. It could, that could be quite interesting. So I don't know who, you know, who knows, who knows, you know, write some letters. Let's, let's see. (laughs) Ask the powers that be. Ask the powers that be. That's above my pay grade. Yeah. I I can't make those calls. Right. I think the beauty of Married at First Sight is that it's not just about entertainment. People actually watch the show and actually get advice from it or just things that, that they can actually use in their relationships. I think that's beautiful. I totally agree. Awesome helps open thing. up conversation. I mean, even people at my work, they say, you know, this, the show and this topic inspired me to bring this up with my husband or that up with my wife. And, you know, it, it does create dialogue. Um, and there are groups, you know, they are married at first sight discussion groups. Oh, yeah. I mean, where people are in their homes and discussing and... Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome. Keep it it's up. Keep doing that. Keep doing yeah. that. Everybody who's listening, get a discussion group. Yeah. <laughs> it's a phenomenon. It really, it really is. Before we let you go, I just wanted to ask you what's new in your world. What can we expect <sighs> to be seeing and hearing from you in the future? Yeah. Yeah. That's some cool. A few things happening. You always got something going on over there. Pastor yeah, a little something, <laughs> something. I think next year, well, we, as we know, you know, there's a new season of Married at First Sight uh, happening in January in New Orleans. Yeah, we'll January first. January one, we'll be visiting New Orleans, Louisiana, and then later on in the year. No, wait, that's Washington D.C. Pastor Kale, you're oh, ahead of yourself. Jeez, Washington D.C., New Orleans. Yes, oh, you're right. so, okay, we're 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 taking right now. We're we're casting for New Orleans. Oh, yes, gosh. yes, that's why <laughs> and, you're thinking uh, but that. But we'll we'll be yes, yeah, right. The new season is in Washington D.C. <laughs> Did you January. remember to turn your clocks back today? <laughs> I know, right? I, I think I'm still in 19-something. So the new season will be starting in January. And then later on in the year, right around the first quarter of the year, there's some things I can't say right now, but I'm waiting for the network to kind of put it out there. But there's a, a new, new, some, some new things out there that's going to be exciting for me awesome. uh, that you guys will see. And also expect some written. I, I have a, a book that's going to be coming out. So that's going to be actually 
You do? Uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, so keep your ears open for that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tell us where we everybody can find you and follow you and keep up to date on all these cool beings. Well, of course, you can follow me on IG. I am Calvin Roberson, C-A-L-V-I-N-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N, or at Marriage Ain't for Punks on IG. Also Twitter of the same name and Facebook. Or you can visit the website, calvinroberson.com. Awesome. So just look for me. I'm all over the place. Thank you so much for taking the time thank out you on guys. your Sunday. Yes, we thanks appreciate again. it. All right, we'll talk. All right, Bye-bye. take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Gosh, he is filled with so much wisdom. I just love how much of a straight shooter he is. Like you ask him a question and he's not going to dance around the answer. And that's, that's just, you always appreciate somebody like that. Yeah. And I feel like these questions that you guys had for him, which by the way, are questions we'd, we would ask anyways, but like, you know, like masturbation with like in marriage or pornography in mararriage, it's not something that we talk about regularly on the podcast, but like now you but know. Jamie like, thinks about it all the time. <laughs> no, I don't. But oh my gosh, I have like the lowest libido ever right now, which as Pastor <laughs> Cal, if you ask him, he'd say I right. need to go you get checked. A, you have a medical condition. Yeah, I have a medical condition. No, but like, or I'm just pregnant and I'm tired. But anyways, okay. in my defense, not getting defensive. <laughs> but no, like I think it's just awesome to have some insight because I mean, not for nothing. If I still have a low libido after the baby comes, maybe I will get checked out. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did because, man, it was awesome to get a little bit of that man's time to get all of his advice and wisdom. And we're always happy to share your thoughts and to share your questions. So thank you very much. For Yeah, for sending the questions in. But yeah, so next week we have Carly Waddell on and she is another guest. Ready to pop. We had Sean Johnson on a couple weeks ago who... She just had her baby. Now Carly is literally nine months pregnant and hoping she pops soon. So Does she know what she's having? Yes, she's having a little boy. Okay. Yeah. So so the next person that's pregnant on our podcast, it'll probably be a girl because it goes boy, girl or girl, boy, girl, boy. (laughs) That, That would be us. We don't know our gender no. yet. We'll have somebody on before that. But eh, dog, you are just dying for a boy. Was there you better another, be happy if it's a girl. Was there another pregnant person before? Don't just ignore Sean that. Johnson. Do not ignore that. Uh, yes, and it was. I think it was Jade, who had a boy. Right. Yeah. All right. That is interesting. Yeah. So we might be having a girl based on that. Unless we have another guest on that's pregnant. We're not having another guest on that's pregnant before we find out our gender. Okay, anyways, we've literally just argued like throughout this whole podcast. But anyways, so yeah, we'll have Carly on next week for you. And we put out a questionnaire for you. So we'll, we'll ask her all your questions as well, because I feel like she's really a wide open book and anything you want to know about her, she'll just tell you. So we're so excited to have her on and kind of get the inside scoop of what she's up to now that she's nine months pregnant. She has a toddler, plus she's a stepmom. And I feel like no one really talks about what it's like to be a stepmom and the kind of like the role that that entails and how you kind of have to tread light water or yeah is that tread light water yeah tread thin water (laughs) tread lightly tread lightly sorry 
pregnancy brain. I'm just going to blame it on that. What's light water? I don't know. Is that water with less calories? Is that what you're trying to leave me alone. So anyways, I'm, I asked her like if we could talk about that a little bit and she was like, yeah, nothing's off the table. So the girl's awesome. I'm excited to have her on next week. I hope you guys are excited too. And I hope you have an amazing weekend. Yes. And we really appreciate everything that you do for us and following and supporting and for everything Hot Marriage Cool Parents. You can visit our Instagram page or my wife, Jamie, who's at Jamie and Otis. You got it right. And I'm at Doug Hainer, but at Hot Marriage Cool Parents to stay up to date on everything. You sound like such an announcer. Or if you want to listen to Hot Marriage Cool Parents. And we love you. Okay, we'll talk to you guys later. We'll argue off the podcast now. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 